you know, they get confused sometimes that a website is at their HR department and this is every single thing that we do and this is all the people and this is all about me. And instead of what does the customer actually need, it's often a lot less than what is out there. Hello and welcome to the Simple and Smart SEO Show, where we provide tips and advice to improve your website's search engine ranking. I'm Brittany Herzberg, SEO copywriter for holistic health and wellness pros who want to show up as the answer to a Googled question. And I'm Krista Waddell, an e-commerce seller and content creator. I help business owners communicate the value of their products and services through content so you can make more sales and grow your business. We are business besties who love learning and sharing what we've learned. So what are we waiting for? Let's jump in. Hello and welcome back. You are listening to the Simple and Smart SEO Show. So today we are talking all things SEO and UX. If you don't know what that stands for, you're going to find out in just a hot second because we have our friend Susan. Susan Riach. Nailed it. Sweet. So say hello. Introduce yourself. Crystal, you're there too. Say hi. <laughs> hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Riach, which is, I always tell people it's like Reebok without the B. I yeah. find it the funky spelling drove people up, but it's, yeah, good. <laughs> that's the way to do it. I like to say that I straddle the world of UX, which it stands for user experience. And I'm sure we're going to unpack that a bit more over the next half hour or so. And conversion copywriting, which means that I craft killer conversion copy and optimize digital strategies using the principles of UX. I'm also the founder of a weekly newsletter, The UX Factor, and an epic UX group coaching program for copywriters beyond web copy, which are both, I think, very needed resources for entrepreneurs, biz owners, and copywriters who just want to connect with real people, but also drive results for their business. Yes, that's so lovely. And of course, I love asking a certain question, which we'll get to in a second, but I do want to just give you some street cred here on the podcast because I have, like I said, I've written your case study. So I learned all about your Beyond Wait, Web Copy. Wait, you wrote her case study? Sure did. Oh, cool. I didn't this know that. This is Susan. Yeah. No, I, I misunderstood. I thought you said you read her case study. Oh, no, girl. Oh, I nice. wrote it. Okay, wrote, cool. Typed it. So that was fascinating to learn about, watch the interview, write about. So she knows her stuff. But also the newsletter is amazing. And if you're not on her newsletter, you need to be because she writes some really amazing newsletters. I was going to say when you said UX newsletter, I put it in the chat with a smiley face because I was like, oh, I need to sign up for that. So yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. They're really good emails. So the thing that I love to ask all of our people, and there's no wrong answer, there are only right answers. How do you define SEO or what do you think of when you think of SEO? When I think of SEO, I think about getting more people to your website. That's what I think about. As a copywriter, I think about keywords and keyword placement and making sure that they're hyper relevant to what the page is all about or the content is all about and making sure that you're getting the most valuable people to see it. I love it. That's beautiful. I'm done here. I think it sounds wonderful. And if you don't know anything about me, I have an e-commerce store and then I help people with their SEO. But As I was diving into how to make my e-commerce store better, I discovered UX and I was like, the user experience, this is amazing. Like this, (laughs) this is what I was created to do. So I was so excited that you're here. And I want to know like how you got started in UX, especially if you came from an education background. Tell us all the things. Crystal's all excited. I love it. I love making these introductions. I'm so excited. I actually got started in UX 12 years ago. 
Yes. 12 years ago, I got started in UX at Booking.com. Booking. Yeah, that's right. So I forgot that slogan. Yeah, it was amazing, actually. I really lucked out. So I was living in Amsterdam, also amazing. I'd given up teaching at that point and I'd been working in publishing. And I saw this dream job, which was living on the, working on the canals of Amsterdam, writing content about travel and hotels. And I was just like, forget that job. Yeah, you did. Anyway, I, I did. And now I went in as a content writer and eventually I got promoted into their UX writing team, which was just amazing. And it was really early days. So we weren't even called UX writers back then. I thought what I was doing was copywriting. I didn't know like these little bits of microcopy and all these A-B tests and everything like that. That's what I thought copywriters everywhere were doing. <laughs> and when I got back to Australia, when I left Amsterdam, left that job, sadly, and got back to Australia... I was like, I'm a copywriter. And all the job descriptions I was reading, I was like, this is really different to what I do did before. But I actually ended up getting a job in a digital agency that did a lot of SEO. So I really got to hone my actual conversion copy and SEO skills there. And when I started my own business three years ago, sorry, I'm taking big jumps. But when I started my own business three years ago, I was like, so confused at first because I was like, do I go after my UX writing clients or do I go after my conversion copy clients because I love them both? And I had two businesses in a way. But what I found was that the clients that I did UX writing for and helped them build like apps and more like functional websites. So if you think like something that most people will use on a daily basis might be their banking website, you might have your banking app on your phone, but when you log in on desktop, like the website, the functional website that you use to do your banking. So crafting the little bits of microcopy and thinking about the user flows and stuff like that. So the clients that I had like that, they would also need me to write their emails, their landing pages, like every now and then the odd social media caption, things like this. And I was like, hang on, everyone's telling me these two things are separate. I don't think they're separate. I think they go together. <laughs> We both agree with you. For those of you who are not watching this video, if it ever makes it to the delight of day, like Crystal and I are both like, uh-huh. Okay, so this is what's so crazy, Susan. It's like as I'm going through the learnings of the internet and all the things that I went through in the last few years, I love to make connections between things. And I've said several times, like recently, I don't know if I'm like on some soapbox or something. I feel like there's so many integrated roles. And especially as small business owners and solopreneurs, like you have to play those roles, whether you want to or not. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're at a huge company, you have a bunch of different people that either split the role or they're in their different departments or whatever. But I'm like, the world of business and everything is just shrinking in on itself. You know what I mean? Like it's becoming more intertwined and all of that. So I just love, you put it so much more eloquently than I could have. But the fact that those things go together and they're related. And I'm just like, so happy that you said that. That's for sure. To me, a marketing website, which is what, or an e-commerce website, these are digital products. And that's really my main message that I want, if people take anything from this podcast, that would be what I would like it to be. Like, this is a product that you can continue to iterate and make better with the philosophy of design thinking, making it better <laughs> iteratively rather than what it's been before in marketing, which is grand swoops and trying to double your conversion, triple your conversion. I don't know. Okay. I'm just, and there's a place for that too, but there's also a place for this iteration. 
Okay. So let's talk just a little bit about design thinking, if we can, really quickly, because as B and I were talking over the years, we were talking about like user journeys and we're talking about funnels and all this type of stuff. That's what led me into this discovery of UX, because I'm trying to put together all of the little pieces that people talk about, top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel. And then I realized that the iteration process had a name, which is design thinking. And I was like, and that's how I think. A lot of people don't Mm -hmm. get that because like you said, they're just trying to go from A to Z and get the result. But there's so many factors that play into whether or not you get a result. And so I would love if you could just break down, maybe give us just a, I know it's probably kind of hard, but give us like a brief overview of design thinking and how that plays a role in designing a functional website and SEO and UX. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll go broad straight. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing is just really helpful, like when you discovered that, is the language is really powerful, knowing the language of UX and going, oh, this thing that I felt intuitively that was right actually has a name and a process and people are doing it. So I think just even the fact that people have that phrase now, design thinking, and they can go and Google it and learn more about it is awesome. But the five steps are, so the first step is empathize. And this is one that often gets skipped. People go straight to a solution, but you'll hear where solution comes in design thinking. So first you empathize and you get to know the people that are going to be using your product. And that that's buyers, essentially, if you've got a marketing website or an e-commerce website, then you're going to define the problem. So not the solution, you're just defining the problem that those people are trying to solve. Then you're ideating. This is where you're coming up and brainstorming with a bunch of different solutions. And step four is actually where you prototype or you create something and then you test it. And then you might go back, you might get pretty good results, but not amazing. So maybe you go back a little bit more to IDA. You feel like you've got the problems pretty sorted, or you might go all the way back and start to empathize again. And it's just helpful. It's not like a completely linear process. You're just constantly going back through those five steps. And just as a sort of example of how that can be used, when I first launched my course, Beyond Web Copy, I had a really small list and I didn't know the people that were going to be, like there were whole bunches of people that I thought could be a good fit for it. So my messaging wasn't as tight as it could have been. And I think in that first round, I got seven people to sign up. And I was if you listen to some podcasts or some influencers in the space, they'll be like, Just throw it in, refund the money. It wasn't a success, like move on. And I was like, no, because I really believe that this solves a problem and a problem that people have come to me with. And I'm going to continue to iterate on that messaging until I have it locked down. And now I'm seeing the 20 plus come in, which is amazing because it's quite a, the cap is 30. It's quite a high touch course and coaching program. It's just like, Just continuing to iterate and seeing it as a process rather than every single step as success or failure, I think. I also want to let you know that my free three-day challenge is back. So if you want to join the Supercharger SEO three-day challenge, it is June 4th, 5th, and 6th. And you can register for free at crystalwidell.com forward slash supercharge. So hope to see you inside the challenge. 
Oh, I love that you said that. Okay, I want to go back and this word keeps catching my attention. And I'm sure if it's catching my attention, it's probably catching someone who's listening's attention. Microcopy. Can you tell yeah. me more about this? What is it? Where might we find it? You will find it everywhere once you start <laughs> looking for it. So I like to think of microcopy as the little road signs of the digital world. They're the little tiny pieces of copy that guide someone through an experience. So rather than thinking, of, often if we think about web copy, we think of it as a page or a lot of people think of it as a page, a headline at the top, all the way down to the bottom. Hopefully there's a CTA at the bottom. Often there isn't, but hopefully there is. And everything that goes in between. But when we're thinking user experience, we're more thinking a journey. Like how does someone go from your home page, maybe to your services page, to then getting in touch with you and then you send them an email? Like it actually continues on beyond the asset that you might be designing, whether that's a website, whether it's social media posts, like people are moving around the internet. So the bits of microcopy are the things that keep people on track. Those little tiny messages that pop up that tell you to keep going or what information is coming next or what is required. Even just little labels on a form are so important. Mm. Your button copy is an obvious one. Your navigation. Crystal. Have you ever heard of a guy named John Mowat? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Oh, no, I haven't. Um, he is a video, a videographer is the best description for him, but also he wrote a book about video marketing. And what you're talking about, he discussed in his book, and that was how he was selling and packaging video marketing services were just these micro pieces of copy, which were actually video content. And he talks about how to apply it from an organic through a paid promotion. And I thought that's so neat because you guys are just parallel. One's copy and one's video, but you're talking about these little pieces of content that move people down the funnel essentially so yeah that nudge people along and they're so important and I think especially Crystal for you with an e-commerce site or anyone listening with an e-commerce site if you grab I think Brittany kindly said that I could share a link to one of my resources which is the microcopy micro course and it's a very simple three-step process to writing microcopy so if anyone wants to see it all written down what I'm going to talk about now that's a place to grab it but essentially on e-commerce, I was writing out all the places that you find microcopy on e-commerce and it fills a whole page. There is so much microcopy in e-commerce. It's wild. But rather than looking at it all and getting overwhelmed, it just, what are the, what's the main thing I want someone to do on my website and e-commerce? It's probably to buy something. And what do they need both? Um, practically into your credit card details here. What do they actually need? They need to go get the credit card. They might need to see where the numbers are on the credit card. Like what practical information do they need? But also what emotional information do they need? Are they feeling anxious? Are they feeling excited? How can you tap into that and get them pumped to click that button? Actually, as you're talking, I'm realizing, Crystal, you do the ideation part of this. Like you have the big giant concept and I'm the one that sort of does the execution of it especially like that emotional piece, like it, that's fascinating to me to see like the different roles that we play, even with that, just with the podcast, because I know for me, at least it comes from my need to like, I'm the person, if we're going to, if we say we're going to go grab coffee, I'm going to get my phone out and look at the like map view and see where the parking lot is. <laughs> Like, I need to know that there is a parking lot because I cannot parallel park unless Daniel's in the car. And if he's not in the car, I'm not parallel parking. I will pay $30 an hour to park my car. So that's the kind of stuff that, like, 
I want a podcast guest to know. I want my students to know that. I want a client to know that. I want my friends to know that. So that's fascinating to hear you talk about that. And it's also funny because while we both have your very both like deeply empathetic. I think we had that in common. I'm the one that's texting her to say, do you have the address? I'm driving your direction. Can you send me some directions and say something like that? Because I don't care. I'm just like, I'm woo, let's get there and party, whatever. <laughs> it is a very fun relationship. But I would I wanted to talk just really quick about the e-commerce side of things because B and I have talked about this before. I'm like jealous of service <laughs> providers because I'm like, it's the way to go. Have three or four pages of a website. What is that? Like, how do you even SEO that or whatever? Because I'm thinking I've got like hundreds of pages and there's so much different things going on the page. And recently I had a client reach out because I designed these custom posters for athletes. And so she ordered a poster, but her kid wasn't an athlete. Her kid was a drama person. You know, first I'm asking, what jersey number do you want? She said, I don't have a jersey number. I'm like, it's not an athlete. I'm like, okay, did we want to do initials? What are we doing here? And she's like, well, I don't really know. And I'm thinking, I don't really know either. We have to <laughs> find a way to meet the middle. So I called her. It turned out she wanted the graduation year, which was 23. But it made me think of her journey and how fortunate I was that she actually went ahead and purchased, not knowing what she was actually buying. And I thought, how could I reassure people like her in the future that when they come to our store, that we can, in fact, help them, even if what we're offering isn't exactly what they're involved in? And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, okay, what could it be a pop-up that pops up on the page to say, here is a question a lot of people ask, should I do a video? Should I embed an app? So it's just crazy. Like I, those are thoughts that I think e-commerce store owners have about multiple products because that's not the only product that we sell that a lot of service providers just don't have to, to do and dig into. Oh, 100%. But they have the challenges. I'm already like brainstorming. I know. Like, like, yeah. Let's go. Bring it. I come here. I'm like, no, there's a simple, there's a simple piece of microcopy and a bullet point or a fact. Like it's all about the timing, right? Because you don't want, you also don't want to distract people who are coming there for the main, like the majority of your customers are going to be athletes or buying gifts for athletes. So you don't want to throw them off with a pop-up that's, hey, you're not an athlete. They'll be like, Whoa, this is, like, this is yeah. disruptive. So you, it's all about like just dripping out that information at a time that's, yeah, that's relevant to that person and making it as personalized as possible. And the fact that you're even thinking this way is a very UX way of thinking. It. I get feedback. I don't dismiss it. I consider the user journey. I consider the emotional journey where is appropriate to, to provide this reassurance. So that's as you're it. talking, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? with like UX mistakes that they might be making on their websites? Yeah, for sure. I think the really at the most basic one that I see people going wrong is not being clear and just trying to sound clever or using very inflated language, very jargon heavy language, because we all work in our own bubble and we're all used to a very specific way of thinking. I was in a space with a lot of coaches recently. And I was like, whoa, this is like an entirely different language, the way that they, the way that they communicate. They just use a different sort of vocab. 
to what I am used to. It was beautiful, but I was like, wow, this is, I feel very sophisticated. So it's just being really mindful of that because that can be very jarring and make people feel very excluded if they're not in that world and they don't understand it. So I think that's the number one thing that I see. But another thing is trying to jam every single aspect of their business onto a website. And that can be service providers where they want to show the entire, you know, they get confused sometimes that a website is at their HR department and this is every single thing that we do and this is all the people and this is all about me instead of what does the customer actually need? And it's often a lot less than what is out there for everyone. So it's like, how little can I actually get away with and trying to strip as much away as possible? It's the first thing that I do with microcopy or any kind of copy If I'm doing an audit, I'm like, first, what can I take away? How can I strip this back? And then is there anything I need to add? I really love that. Even as you're talking about business owners, we really do think that we need to shove everything on the website. (laughs) I'm working with a client, like we just wrapped, like the website should be live pretty soon. They were like, this is a problem and this is a problem and this is a problem. Like you've got 14 problems. They're all different. We really need to like squish that down. Like how basic can we get? What's at the root of most of these? It's a challenge that I like. It's a challenge that I notice a lot of business owners very much resist. For anyone, just, I don't know, any second word, any like reminder, any little like mindset tip that you might have for these people? Yeah, I think that thinking outside your website is really useful in this. So like just Take a breath. They don't have to get everything from the website. What is the website's job? Is it to get someone to get in touch with you if you're a service provider? In which case, you can have a conversation. You can tell them everything that you want to know. You can hear their questions. But just staying really focused on that. So there's another framework that people might like to look up called Jobs to be Done. So it basically says that when people are coming to your website, they're trying to do something. They're trying to complete a job. So if you think about what those people are trying to do, just give them the information so that they can do that job and then leave everything else behind and know that you have social media posts and emails going out. It sits within an entire ecosystem. It's not it's not everything in this one little bubble, which is where I think a lot of the a lot of the panic comes from. And I hope that reassures some people that they can leave some things off and just trust that people can get that information if they need it in another way. I'm just going to say one line and then Crystal, it's all you. That reminds me of an SEO term that Crystal brings up a lot. See, I'm giving you credit. Search intent. Like that all ties into everything. So to bring UX and SEO together, like search intent is huge. I just wanted to throw out another book and we both read it. It's Donald Miller's book, Story Brand. Yeah. And that it has this premise that your every page should basically just have one big idea and one call to action. And that really forces you to strip everything else away to say, okay, what is the one most important thing that will affect (laughs) someone actually converting? Or what is a conversion? What's the conversion that I want? And it's crazy when you take everything away and you say, I can only have one thing. Everything gets a lot more clear. Mm -hmm. They just need what they need to make the decision. I love what you said and really just going outside of your industry to get ideas. And that has been one of my most favorite things about meeting other business owners is seeing how they run their business. And even though it's a completely different industry, just thinking, oh, I can take pieces of that customer service thing that they do, or I can take a piece of their shipping, or I can take a piece of their website or whatever. And it has nothing to do with e-commerce. 
has nothing to do with me or anything that I know. Even as copywriters, I say, oh, I love how she does that. I'm totally going to use that in my e-commerce business. So I just think all that's so neat. It's great. Okay. I have, I'm going to go back to microcopy again because I love microcopy now. So what makes for the most impactful pieces of microcopy? Do you have any tips for us there? Yeah, for sure. I think it's first thinking, do I need anything here at all? Or can I get rid of it? Is it a distraction that's going to stop people from clicking that button or doing whatever it is that they need to do? If it is needed, where are people emotionally and what information do they need from me? What is the message? Before you get to writing the words, what am I trying to say? And literally what I'm trying to say is blah, 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 blah. And then thinking, okay, how can I say this in the clearest way possible? So not confusing people with overly brand heavy, cutesy, potentially inaccessible words, but just really clear, really direct, really straightforward stuff. Friendly. Thinking of yourself as a customer service person, what would I say if someone came to my desk here, my desk is where the piece of microcopy is, and they were confused or overwhelmed or upset or super excited and pumped to collect their thing, what would I say to them? And you'd probably say it in a quite straightforward way. So that's the biggest tip with microcopy is don't try to get too fancy with your words. Try to keep it nice and clean. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I'm like, that's really what I want to know. What's the process for the great, the best UX copy that you can create on your website? Do you have some insights that you can share with us there? Yeah, for sure. So I actually have another resource that people can grab. Um, Give us all the links. a lot. (laughs) A web copy UX guide. So the six-step process that I outline in detail in that is basically the first thing that you want to do is find that point of connection between user goals and business goals. So I just talked about jobs to be done. What is the user or the reader or the buyer or the customer, whatever you want to call them, what is their goal and how does it match to a business goal? So an example for that is very basic. A copywriter who wants to learn more about UX matches perfectly with my business goal of selling my program beyond web copy. But I think sometimes people can just get a little bit business-centric with what they're trying to achieve and not think about it. But there are actually perfect customers out there for all of us that are trying to do something that our business goal connects with. So finding that point of connection is really important. Then when you're looking at a whole website, it's really important to provide a structure or an architecture that's going to make sense in terms of user journeys, how someone is going to move. Can they find everything that they're looking for? And can you provide moments of discovery for them where they might not be looking for something, but there's something very delightful that you want to share with them? Maybe that if you're in e-commerce, maybe that's a discount or a promotion code. I had a very frustrating UX yesterday when I was ordering something. And I literally hit buy and I saw the banner up the top for a 30% off. (laughs) And I'm like, why didn't you prompt me at checkout? Come on, that's so annoying. So like just thinking about, that's a big topic, but thinking about the information architecture is really important. The next thing that I look at, that's the big structure or the skeleton of your site. So the next thing I look at is the logical hierarchy of each page within that structure. So it's the most important information at the top. And then going down the page to the least important and then connecting all those pages. So you've got the skeleton, you've got each of the individual pages there. How am I connecting those user journeys with microcopy? How am I just nudging and directing people through each of those user journeys? And then 
going in even more granular. So a lot of UX and copywriting is sort of like coming right back for a huge bird's eye view and then zooming right in. How are those points of conversion optimized? Am I getting people really excited? Am I taking away all their fear and hesitation to click that button? And just to move to the next step, I think another mistake that I see is people trying to sell the thing right back when people are top of funnel. Do you know, like when really we're just trying to get people to take these little steps down. So it doesn't have to be a big conversion on your very first button. You know, from an email, you're just trying to get someone to a sales page. From a sales page, you're just trying to get them to a checkout page. And from a checkout page, that's when you're trying to get them to buy if you're looking at the sales page situation. And then finally is just making sure that you're reaching as many people as possible by making sure that your language is inclusive, that it's accessible and testing that it's effective, that it's actually doing its job. So they're the six big steps, but like I said, there's a re- there was a lot there and there is a resource where people can dig more into that. I love that. I'm excited to link all of the things. Yeah. When you said moments of discovery, I'm like, that has happened for us on Pinterest. Like those moments of discovery, I hear about them all the time from people who are like, I was searching for something for my boyfriend or I was searching for something for my son. And then I saw your poster or your collage on Pinterest. And I thought, that's what I want. So it's funny because they just know they want this really cool gift, but they don't really know what it is. And then they're like, that's it. So I love Pinterest for that. But another question I had was when you're thinking about moving people along those little steps, one thing I like about GA4 that they've come out with is I get these notifications that say it takes X number of touches before somebody converts or this many conversions come from organic search, that type of thing. So how do you put that data together to make your customer journey? (laughs) Before I knew about creating wireframes and those different structures, I have this crazy structure that I made on some whiteboard program. I forgot what it was. They have a free version. And instead of getting the paid version, I just built like all of these different structures on there because I was trying to figure out where everything fit in the funnel. I'll have to share it with you after this. But I'm just wondering, like, how do you take those pieces of data and make it meaningful in a user journey? Is that possible? It's totally possible. And it's something that I teach inside Beyond Web Copy. And there are two amazing resources that everyone's like, I would have paid the cost of this, but just for this resource. Because I've developed them myself. And one is the 60-minute story map, which literally takes you from empathizing to an entire user story or journey through a site. And the other one is the content comb, which helps you develop the information architecture. But I think if you're not going to take Beyond Web Copy, I think a really basic way to get started is to just go through a user journey yourself and get a bunch of post-its on a wall. Like I quite like working with paper and post-its mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that on my wall. My wall next to my computer is always covered in post-its and I have to stop my twins from pulling off. And just start sticking it. Like what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? What happens next? And you'll start to notice little gaps. Just that process of sitting down and going through it yourself, you will start to notice, oh, I need a little bit of information here or what can I add here or what can I take away? What's distracting? This is so validating. I'm sorry. I am so sorry, but it's just so good to hear you say these things. I kid you not, I have post-it notes up on my wall that were trying to figure out the user journey (laughs) of trying to figure out like, what am I missing here? 
So just to hear this is just, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. There are other people who think like this. Well, and not only that, you and I also had the conversation, I think it was in December when we met up and we were like, we had this whole conversation around what's next and then what? So to hear you say that, yeah. Yeah. And then what that also gives you and what I think a lot of people forget is what that, what's come before. What I don't need to repeat because they already know this and this. So it's useful looking forwards. It's also incredibly useful to be looking back. And that's often the first thing that I ask when people come to me and they're like, I want you to write me a sales page or a website copy. I'm like, okay, where are these people coming from? Are they Mm -hmm. coming from SEO? Are they coming from ads? Are they coming from your email list? Like all those things will make a big difference into where we start with our messaging and our awareness. So when you have a client that comes to you and you ask them the question to follow up with their answer, do you then create a diagram that pieces all of that together? Whether Because some people might come through email and some people might come through SEO. So how do you manage that and hand it back to the client with something that makes sense? Yeah, it's a discussion because quite often they will say, I don't know. Or I'm not sure. I haven't thought about that yet. And I'm like, let's think about it. And that's why I always have a big strategy session at the top of any project so that I can get really crystal clear on on all those things and understand the entire ecosystem in which this piece of copy they've tasked me to write actually sits. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. And it can be. Some people will have come from ads. Some people will have come from SEO. But generally, there will be a dominant one. And so then you just choose to focus on the dominant one? Then I would focus on the dominant one until the data told me otherwise. Cool. This is awesome. I have one question, but I'm hoping it's not going to be a giant answer, but I'm so curious. Something that I run into a lot with my clients is we have these big discussions over like they want to add in big images that have like diagrams of certain things and they have, they're very text heavy and I always encourage them if it's something that needs to be found, if it's something that's really going to help the person or that needs to show up in order for Google or whatever search engine to recommend that page. I suggest that we have a conversation with a web designer and talk through those things. But without getting into like all of the times that I've had this discussion, do you have any like quick tips or any insight into UX and SEO and how they play a role into your graphics that you're putting on your web pages? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Oh, I'm not sure that I do. I'm not sure I've come across this specific. Really? I have one client where, honestly, she took a lot of the copy that we created and Mm -hmm. she turned the copy into images. And so her website ended up looking like just a stack. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Sorry. I was thinking like almost scientific drawings. Do you know what I mean? Or very complicated things like that. That's really tricky because you definitely don't want everything on an image, especially because on mobile, it will be a disaster. And as we know, (laughs) most people are on mobile. So I always like to design my copy mobile first. 
So I wondered if there's a way then, again, looking at the whole user journey, and it's hard to know without knowing the specifics, but I would just be like, is this the most appropriate place for this information or can this information be conveyed on the website in a different way and perhaps as a downloadable or a next step or something where they can get it in this different form? So that's one way that I would potentially be thinking about it. But yeah, definitely... Even when I include like little screenshots of social proof, which look great when you show a little screenshot and you're like, I haven't doctored this or something. This is a real text message that someone sent me or a real Facebook comment. It's always best practice to include like the, the text again below it. So that not just for, not just for clarity, but also for screen readers and things like that. I guess you could also have an alt text, but I like to have it just for anyone who finds it hard to read that image, that they also have it in your font below it. So yeah, yeah, I definitely would advise against having just a website full of images. But yeah, I'd love to know your, because you're more from an SEO perspective, I'm more from a UX perspective. So what would your advice be? I definitely, I wrote the copy intending it to to be just displayed on the website. But even as you're talking about the screenshots, I've brought her up several times. Robbie, we have, she's my, <laughs> she and I have this inside joke and it's not very PC to say it. So she's my blind web designer friend. And we talk about her frequently on the podcast. And every time that I think of how can I make this more accessible for someone, I'm literally always thinking like, how can I make this easier for Robbie? But thinking of having the text from the screenshot then like in a caption, I'm assuming it's what you're just des- yeah. describing. I'm like, man, that's brilliant. And it's such a simple thing to go back and do. And it would be so helpful. And if you're looking for that SEO extra credit that I talk about frequently, that also helps that as well. But I hadn't thought about doing something like that. And that's, it's such an easy thing to do. So much of it is so easy when it comes to accessibility. It just requires that extra step. That's why it's step number six, just a last minute, hang on. And not just for someone, you know, that can't see permanently. But for someone who's in low light or, or it's just had LASIK or like there are so many situations in which we can't see. I now need reading glasses and I'm waiting for them to arrive. So I'm holding everything out here. Can I see it? Because these are all people that can buy your product and that won't if they can't get the information. Yeah. I think it's interesting because this last weekend, I actually had my first speaking gig or my first speaking job this past weekend where I was speaking to photographers about SEO. Yeah. I was really excited. I loved it. So much fun. The fact is Google and search engines can't really read images just yet. You know, I mean, if someone knows what they're looking for, they use like Google Lens or like the Pinterest image inspector or something like that. They might be able to find what they're looking for. But for the most part, Google needs text to understand what it's looking at or what is going on that page. And then also how it relates to other things on the page or on the website and then the greater web. (laughs) So. Yeah, I would definitely say if you have lots of images, let's make sure we have lots of text as well to explain what's going on. Yeah, and such a good point. And I think there's a bit of a myth or a misunderstanding about design that comes into play for people where people think that design is how something looks, like does it look super fancy and flashy and amazing when you actually think about it and think about it in the physical world, which I like to get people to do a lot. Good design is how something works. So you could have the most beautiful handbag in the world, but if it doesn't hold my phone, if I can't open it easily with one hand while I've got the twins, if it slides off my shoulder all the time, like I'm not going to use that handbag. I'm going to use the handbag that actually works and does the job that it needs to do. I want it to look great as well. 
of course. One doesn't negate the other. But I think quite often with website, people get caught up with this idea of how it looks, but they forget what's more important to someone using it is how it works. I'm so happy to hear you say that. So how do you quantify UX to other business owners? Because I, I see UX from an outsider perspective as something that larger companies can invest in. But something that smaller companies definitely need, because like you said, there's this element of, oh, I need a website. And so it's, oh, yeah, you have a website has beautiful pictures or whatever. But guess what? They have no idea whether there's been any SEO done on the backside. I think people assume that when they get a website, that this idea of SEO is built into the website. And so therefore, they don't have to worry about it anymore. But in actuality, in the past, it's been two different things, web development and search engine optimization, and they're not done by the same person typically. You know, how do you even make someone aware that they need this or that iteration is part of the process and it's not necessarily going to equal higher revenue immediately? Yeah, I think I would always get to the big wins first. I think there is often money on the table that can be scooped up with better UX. So it's not that you're not going to see any results straight off the bat. And Sometimes they can be really big. And this is why I love the combination of UX with conversion copywriting, because I see them as complementary to each other. And exactly what you were saying about how previously a web designer was separate from SEO, like that to me is just wild. And it's the same thing. I just, I think like a copywriter needs to under a website copywriter. If you're going to be a website copywriter, if you're going to hire a website copywriter, they need to understand SEO. They need to understand UX and they need to understand conversion copywriting because that is what a website is. That is what you need. You need to get traffic there. People need to be able to find and discover what they're looking for and you need to get them to take action for it to be a successful website. So you need to really have those three skills. And that's why I'm so passionate about upskilling copywriters specifically with this UX toolkit because yes, previously it has been reserved or a lot of it have been reserved for big companies and they're seeing the ROI. They're not doing this because it feels good. They're doing (laughs) because it makes lots of money. I mean, I can't read for all of them, but I would imagine if I was a big business, that's what I'd be most concerned about. So I think being able to bring it to smaller providers in my copywriting skill set is really valuable. Oh, truly. And I just want to give some context to that, what you're just saying, because I started taking the Google UX design course because I wanted to learn how to do it. And once I found out about it, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. And so then I started looking for UX design jobs just to familiarize myself with what I needed to learn in terms of the skill set. And the pay for UX designers is very good. In my world, $100,000 or more to do this particular job, which to me sounds like so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> is wow. And a lot of the positions are remote, but it's really just improving and iterating on product development. And so when we're talking about UX design, if you're listening right now and you've never heard of it, it's not just a random thing on the internet that people do. No, it's a very highly valued and a very well-paying position for many companies. And many people, they're bigger companies, they employ several designer. Oh, hundreds, hundreds of designers and hundreds of writers. Yeah, for sure. It's massive. It's massive. So we haven't really touched on that side of it, but when I was working deeply in UX and with some consulting work that I still do now, 
you're going into whole teams that are dedicated to just one part of the website, you know, and these are teams that work with a, something called a product owner, a team leader, um, a developer, backend and front end, designers, backend and front end and writers, and also data analysts getting all the information, dedicated researchers. It's just a whole other world out there. But what I love is taking that and bringing it to small business and to other copywriters and helping them share in some of the joy of it because it just beyond the results that you can get it just makes life easier it's just it just there are all these principles heuristics laws out there uh, researched proven and you can just take them and apply them and then see if it works (laughs) as simple as that no that's like mind-boggling to hear how many writers and ux people designers are on teams it's just what yeah. And then we're over here by ourselves with our businesses and going, <laughs> we're failing. No, you're just like one person. Yeah. Yeah. And wearing many hats. Just and a I, few. I love how you're talking about bringing this to small business owners because that was the very thought that I have. I was like, this is information that should be accessible to small business owners. You know what I mean? And again, a lot of it just goes back to the back end of SEO. And how B and I got started with this podcast is just understanding and seeing our peers who didn't understand what was happening on their website. And they would come to us and come to find out, oh my goodness, you are a candle shop and someone set up your jewelry store SEO based on someone else's jewelry store. And you have no idea why you're not showing up in search results or why you're invisible online. Or even not understanding that Google Search Console, if Google doesn't index your pages, that page is invisible online that you might as well not even exist. So it doesn't matter how beautiful your website is. If you don't understand how some of these things work and how you actually get found online, I just, I think B and I really both just were on a mission when we started and it continues to this day, but just to help people understand like, that's not all there is. Don't stop with the surface. Don't We don't want you to be overwhelmed, but we want you to be informed. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. I have loved this conversation. I think we could probably just keep on recording this for the rest of the day, but you have your, you have the future to look forward to. Remind us or let us know like where people can find you. And then maybe just remind us of those two resources that you've got that we're going to link for the listeners. Yeah, for sure. So people can find me on my website, which is Susan Reoch, R-E-O-C-H, copywriter. <laughs> need to change my life. Or they can find me at on Instagram at Susan Reoch underscore copywriter or on LinkedIn at Susan Reoch. And the two resources that I was talking about, which are going to kindly link, is the Microcopy Micro Course, which is just my three-set system for writing the mighty, mighty words that keep customers engaged and buying online. And the, in that, it's 14 before and after examples. So it's really handy resource that people can get inspiration from for their own websites. And the second one with those six steps that I walked through to writing my converting UX copy for the web. Yeah. And if you'll link both of those, that'd be great. So people can know more. And if you get grabbed those freebies, you you can choose to be popped onto my the UX Factor newsletter, which honestly is where I think most of my golden content goes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's I love reading your emails. I cannot wait to get your emails. <laughs> And Crystal's going to sign up for everything. <laughs> Get yeah. all the things. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Thank you so much for being here. We really had a blast. I think Crystal did too. I'll speak for her, even though she's right here. <laughs> I'm like, it's already been an hour. Are you kidding me? That was so fun. 
This was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We will catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us today. If you like this info, subscribe before you go. So you never miss out on something related to SEO. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>